Hey friend, and welcome back to the Alex Makes VR podcast. Friends, it is 2023 and I have not uploaded a podcast episode in about six months and I'm absolutely shocked and ashamed of myself for that. And I genuinely was, I was just sitting here on this fine little Saturday morning in February 2023 thinking, I really miss podcasting. I really miss talking to myself, wandering around my living room. <laughs> no, but more than that, I, mi- I, miss, I miss talking with you all. I miss being part of this community and tribe of people that are kind of so interwoven and connected to this evolving technological landscape. You know, like I miss being part of this amazing community of big thinkers and creators and just miss kind of sharing some of the insights that we all have on what's going on in this industry. And I miss kind of sharing with you my kind of weird and wonderful thoughts. And and I've always known that I was going to get to a stage in my career where actually the, and I've said this before on the podcast, but where the most exciting thing to me is kind of sharing what I've learned, sharing what I'm learning and making sure that, you know, everything that I have access to you know, is is kind of passed along in some way, because actually, that's the only way that we all learn and grow and can can build upon and make sure as well that this industry that we're building is filled with really kind, you know, uh, kind hearted and, and wonderful people that have really amazing intentions. And, um, and I think that that's the most important thing, right, is kind of creating and fostering that community and sharing that knowledge. And so, yeah, that's a really long way of saying I just really miss you. <laughs> and here I am. And I just thought I would just record an episode and let you know what I've been up to and what I've been thinking about recently. Let me rewind, I guess, a little bit, because the last time I posted, I just premiered Rock, Paper, Scissors, my latest VR work at um, Venice Film Festival, which, I mean, quite honestly, if I could afford to retire, I might as well, because <laughs> because I have truly peaked. Uh, and you know what? It was an absolutely absurd, surreal, exciting, overwhelming experience and I loved it and I had some of the funnest times kind of celebrating with um, the ones closest to me that helped build that experience. I remember having a silent disco with Mia, my developer on the project and we literally just got drunk and started kind of like our own version of a silent disco in the middle of Venice you know, just in and amongst the population, not not anything to do with the film festival, it was absolutely hilarious. Hands down, one of my favourite favorite nights in Venice. Um, I had Rebecca, my co-writer and long, long, long time best friend with me in Venice. And we were just like talking about how crazy it is. Like we remember talking as teenagers about what we were going to be doing in our 30s and lo and behold, I would never have imagined in a million years, and I don't think she would have, that we would be on a gondola um, (laughs) enjoying the sights in Venice after having a piece that we both created together, premiering at the most prestigious film festival in the world. I mean, it's it's very, very, very surreal. Um, So, so yeah, flashback to that time, and, and quite honestly, it was kind of like, it was a really exciting, but also quite a scary time to think like genuinely speaking, this is a very 1% problem, but how do I top this? Like, where do I go from here? Because actually 
this is probably the moment that I've been dreaming of my whole filmmaker career to get that kind of acknowledgement and validation from the industry to say your piece is worthy of, of premiering uh, a festival like this was truly genuinely like one of those experiences where I, I think I talked about this in one of my episodes about finding out that I got accepted like I genuinely cried when I found out because it was almost it was like that build-up of 10 years plus of working towards something and then finding getting it that validation and being almost feeling accepted and being like wow like yeah I'm not dog shit at this that's great <laughs> um but then at the same time this very strange thing was happening in my life because at the very same time my biggest client PwC who if you don't know who they are they are I mean it's hard to describe what they are I still learn every day like what what exactly the company does but essentially they're considered one of the big four auditing firms they're one of the biggest they're they're part of the big four professional services firms that offer all sorts of services but one of the biggest pillars of their services is uh, consultancy so they're one of the biggest consultants in the world we you know I, I switched to the word we because I'm kind of working for them now but um, we we basically work with the biggest companies and brands in the world to help them understand um, from my perspective like what the metaverse is how it's going to impact not only business but also how is it going to disrupt just even just our lives and the way that we interact and play and socialize and work and transact and everything um, so at the time they were just my client and I was making this shift to to, to coming internally um, into a role to, to, to kind of lead their metaverse team uh, in the UK. And that was a really big kind of decision for me, but it happened very quickly. Um, and I can't remember whether I've already talked about this on the podcast about how that all happened, but it was very quick and I had to make a decision very quickly. But essentially, it seemed like an opportunity of a lifetime to, to kind of come in-house to, to my biggest client, essentially, and see what's happening on the other side of the fence and what are the conversations happening with clients and getting to be on the forefront of, uh, of kind of pioneering this stuff and, and shaping the thought around it at that kind of top level. So naturally, would have would, would have been totally stupid to turn that down. So very exciting um, to be offered that. But it was very surreal because the week that I was in Venice was also the week that it was announced that I was stepping into that role. And it was very bizarre and interesting to me to kind of be taking off my kind of director, XR creator kind of hat for a while and, and slipping on my head of metaverse technologies hat and the shift in even like the conversations that I was having, you know, once Venice was over, um, shifted very much more towards some stuff that I love talking about. And actually, funnily enough, a lot of the stuff that I spend my time on the podcast talking about, like, for example, you know, what's my opinion about what it, what it, what it means? What does the metaverse mean? What are the technologies that underpin it? How do you define it to someone that doesn't work in this industry? How do you explain what the, um, what the pillars that make up the metaverse are? How do you kind of think and what are you kind of projecting to be the biggest areas of disruption in certain industries with this stuff? And all of this stuff was so interesting, but I really had to throw myself in kind of head first because I've been working on rock, paper, scissors for so long and I've been in that kind of more kind of creative zone for a while that it was really kind of cool and interesting to kind of pull back and and go back to almost that 
top level, high level thought leadership kind of stuff that I just love so much thinking about just being a bit of a wannabe philosopher myself. Um, and it, and it's been wild. It's been a wild six months. I've been on so many aeroplanes. I have paid so much in carbon offsetting and then definitely got a little bit spooked when I read an article saying that carbon offsetting was sometimes a bit of a scam because I was like, no, I am destroying the environment with all these flights. But um, but what's been really beautiful is kind of connecting with um, with new people, like people that aren't within the XR kind of ecosystem. They're not people that have been connected with the XR industry uh, like most of us have for uh, for a certain amount of time. These people exist outside of that bubble, but they still have opinions and thoughts and are working on exciting things within the kind of XR and metaverse space. So that's been really interesting. But admittedly, admittedly, I do really miss connecting with my people, which is you, which is the XR industry, which is the people that have kind of been been making it for themselves and for working on projects and 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 kind of being passionate about this stuff for a long time. Um so yeah, that's a kind of long-winded way of saying I'm glad to be back podcasting. I've no idea what I'm going to be doing with the podcast. There's a part of me that kind of fancies doing a bit of a challenge again, like I did back when I started, uh, which was the kind of, you know, everyday ramble about something challenge. <laughs> or, you know, I've got some interviews potentially lined up with some really cool people and creators. Um, and, and maybe that's more kind of the approach that we want to go down. It's up to you. Like, are you sick of my voice already, even though you've not heard from me for six months? I would love to hear from you. You can let me know what kind of episodes uh, you would prefer, but I definitely love to start podcasting again. So to make this even slightly interesting, because I realise I've just talked at you for 10 minutes about kind of where my head's been at for the last six months, but I guess what it would be interesting to do is, I guess, break down that concept of the metaverse and how I think about it now, because it's been six months and a lot has changed in the in the kind of the macro kind of sense of like where the world is at and what's important and what's kind of front of mind for the world right now. And even just in the last month, there's been so much technological advancement on the kind of something like the AI front. Like, I don't know if any of you have been playing with chat GPT yet, but holy shit, that stuff is absolutely insane so powerful you know I've been reading articles about the fact that Apple um, have got their own version of kind of like that generative AI tools and and essentially you're going to be able to speak to Siri to be able to create AR applications and experiences in the future which is you know this stuff is it seems like science fiction and it's absolutely mad that we're going to live through that time where this becomes a reality where you can literally say to Siri build me um, a 3D environment, you know, of Alex Rule's living room and create an avatar that, you know, pulls the likeness from Alex Rule's LinkedIn profile and, and animate her walking up and down her living room with a phone in her hand to be able to experience what it's like to, 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 to witness the recording of this podcast episode. Like how wild that that is going to be possible And that's not even that far away. That seems like something that would be, you know, yeah, that's like, okay, cool. Yeah, maybe in 20 years. No, no, no. This is like potentially six months out from from recording this episode because currently, you know, ChatGPT, Dali, Midjourney, um, all of these tools that are coming out um, uh, are making things like creation 
creativity, experimenting, um, content writing, like all of these things is going to be like, it's just already possible. It's going to be absolutely mad to see where it is in six months. But anyway, stripping it right back, let me think about, you know, let me think about what, where am I at? What, what, what am I thinking in terms of the metaverse right now? And that might help you and, uh, maybe resonate or maybe there's things you disagree with me on and I would love kind of to to hear your thoughts back on 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 all of this but essentially the way I'm thinking about the metaverse is I think about the metaverse as a really buzzy hypey aspirational term that let's face it is not actually that helpful because when you say to the average person you know I work in the metaverse or I work on metaverse projects. They don't know what that means because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like rewinding to 2015 when I tell people that I was, you know, kind of creating stuff for VR and they'd be like, what does VR mean? What does that stand for? Um, you know, we're kind of there. And, and I think everyone's got a different definition of the metaverse in its purest sense. If you literally take where the word was coined in, in the kind of book by Neil Stevenson, um, you know, it's literally essentially like a Ready Player One style dystopian world. Like it literally is a VR world that you access via a VR headset and you kind of immerse yourself into a digital world, essentially, Like right? Like in real time and you experience things first person and you interact with other people who are experiencing it first person um, in real time. And it's essentially a world that you can touch and feel and exist in only it's digital, right? Like that's the actual definition. Well, it's not the actual definition, but that's the actual, you know, that's where the term metaverse comes from. So we can safely assume that that is kind of what most people think of as the end goal of the metaverse, which can be scary and exciting and everything in between. But to most people right here, right now, they don't know what it means and they don't know why it applies and they really don't understand why they should give a shit about it if it's this technological future that people are hypothesizing about. So the way I kind of think about it is the metaverse is simply the next evolution of the internet itself. We've gone from the information internet, web one, the idea of just, you know, plugging in your computer cranking up the old dial-up internet, you know, connecting to the modem um, and waiting for a page of text to load. And we'd be so excited about that. We'd be so excited about just downloading a website that was literally one page full of text because it was the first time ever that we could pull all the world's information, all the world's um, knowledge to, to, to our own kind of digital device you know, not instantly, because it did take a while to download uh, web pages, but we didn't have to go to the library. We didn't have to go rent out a book. We didn't have to ask our school teachers. It was literally there at home at our fingertips. That was web one, right? The information internet. Then web two, that next evolution, you know, think about the fact that now where we're living right now, which is probably web two, you know, drifting into web three, we're probably at like web 2.5 at the moment or web 2.2.5, which is the social internet. Now we found a way not only to get information to these devices, but also to be able to connect with each other, to communicate, to socialize. You know, how wild is it that if we had had the pandemic when the internet had first been born, you wouldn't be able to video call your friends. 
you wouldn't be able to stay connected and have Zoom parties. You wouldn't be able to communicate via email and keep each other up to date with with what was going on. You couldn't send photos of your dinner that you've made for the 10th night in a row because you've not been able to get out to the supermarket. You know, that wouldn't have been possible with Web 1. Web 2 is all about the social internet, the two-way internet uploading content, the content creation internet, all of a sudden, you know, the the kind of accessibility of creativity um, has defined Web2, right? We've now it's kind of it's it's so it's made things so possible for everyone. It's a very exciting time. And now we're moving into Web3, the experiential internet. And I think like the term Web3 and the metaverse are kind of the same thing, right? That's my controversial opinion. My hot take is that when we say Web3, we're talking about, you know, the kind of the technical, I guess, definition of the metaverse, which is just the next evolution of the internet itself. So instead of going from, you know, talking to each other back and forth, uploading content that then other people comment and and share and like and things... We're now going into the experiential internet, being in virtual worlds together, experiencing immersive content together, interacting with content in a totally different way, in a live, real-time, persistent way. You know, when you think about virtual world platforms like Roblox and Fortnite and Minecraft and, you know, people will kind of, some people will define them as metaverses in their own right. And when you think about those, the qualities of those platforms, think about what something like Fortnite, for example, is, is doing in terms of revolutionizing um, the music industry. Like all of a sudden you can put on a digital concert, right? And you can have more people attend that in one night than you would do on a six month tour around the world. Right. So they're not the, they're not just gaming platforms. They're virtual worlds. They are these worlds in which you can, um, you know, go in and socialize and be with people in real time and you can play and you can work and you can buy and sell stuff. They're their own, they are literally their own little worlds. And when you start to think about when you extrapolate that out and you start to think about, you know, everything, every app that you use currently or every, um, yeah, every kind of major company, like think about Amazon, for example, at the moment, it's a 2D experience. What happens when they start to evolve that into a 3D experience? What happens when they evolve that into be being more of an immersive experience? What happens when you can, you know, literally pop into an immersive Amazon, um, product experience where you can interact with other people either people within your kind of like family who maybe you're kind of like getting their opinion on what the uh what what kind of I don't know um curtains you should buy from Amazon and you're in there in real time with each other interacting with a 3D um digital twin of a curtain that you're planning on buying and you're putting it in you know maybe you're the digital twin of your home to see to see to measure whether it would actually fit and what it would look like with all of your other furnishings in there that have digital twins because everything comes with a digital asset attached to it like what does that mean what does that look like and this is obviously again this can sound quite futuristic and and aspirational but actually this is not that far away we're already seeing it in drips and drabs right we're not just going to overnight have the metaverse. We're just going to see the evolving immersion and interactivity um, of of all the apps and, and new apps that don't even exist yet kind of pop up um, 
to give people a totally different tactile experience of the internet. And that's all we're talking about when we talk about the internet, uh, when we talk about the metaverse, sorry, right? It's the evolution of the internet. So now, and I always think, I always think back to one of the first times that I really got my head around the concept of VR. It was 2017 and I was, um, I was doing a workout uh, in my parents' garden because I was trying to get in shape for my brother's wedding. And I remember filming a video on my phone and I still have this video and I've got it favorited because it just makes me laugh every time. It was literally the moment the light bulb went off for me as to what VR was actually all about. Because at that point I'd been working in it for a while, but I hadn't truly gotten my head around the kind of size and the opportunity of something like VR. And then I recorded this video because I was like, it's genius, I'm a genius. Um, And I was essentially thinking back about the fact that, you know, when when humans have just only ever wanted to connect with each other, humans have only ever wanted to interact and communicate and, and be connected, right? So when you think about like, you know, uh, the original humans that were separated by, by, by distance, right? They would have to walk to each other to be able to communicate, right? They had to physically be in the same place with each other to communicate. And then there was the invention of the post, right? And obviously this is, um, this is my ramblings. This is not factually kind of like, uh, I've not done research into the exact timeline of all these things. But when you think about like that, that kind of story of connectivity, it's like, okay, well, actually, what if I wrote something down and then someone else could deliver that to you? And that's my way of communicating with you, right? And then, you know, down the line, you've got the invention of the phone, oh my God, now I don't need to send you a letter because I can actually call you and have a real-time conversation with you. How crazy is that? How exciting is that? And then, you know, fast forward in time, you've got the internet. You've got the specifically the kind of social internet where all of a sudden you can have that real-time conversation back and forth through messaging, through video calls, you know, all of these things. Like, do you know how much technology and power and money it would have cost you to live stream a video back in the 90s. Absurd. Like there was whole TV studios and film studios that were like dedicated and, and, and news broadcast studios that were like, you know, spend millions on technology to be able to, to do that. And nowadays, we literally have that in our pockets. We have that on a device that costs less than a thousand dollars. That is absolutely mind blowing when you think about it right? But it was all about connecting. It's always been about connecting. And so that next evolution, moving into the experiential internet, imagine if instead of having a FaceTime with your mum, you could have a holographic representation of your mum, right? And, And you could see each other as holographs and feel like you're in the same room having a conversation, right? The experiences, the underlying reason for it is is, is, has always been the same it's always about connection right communicating to some extent socializing and working and playing and and again like selling and buying and all that kind of stuff as well but but it's always fundamentally been about connecting with each other and finding new ways to interact even when we're not physically together and so when you think about it like that, it makes sense, right? It makes sense that the next evolution of the internet is that more immersive, more experiential, more spatial experience. And that's all it is. That's all it is. And when you kind of explain it to people like that, they, it, it's like a light bulb goes on in their head and they go, 
oh yeah because they heard the word metaverse and immediately went to Ready Player One or The Matrix, or maybe they'd never even heard of the word metaverse and they didn't really understand what it meant and they just thought it was Facebook's new name. So that's kind of like, that's the first major thing that I've learned about, about working in this space and working with people who it's not part of their job description to to know this stuff inside out. And my job is to kind of, is to help them on that journey, is breaking it down like that really, really helps. And then the second thing that I think might be interesting to just quickly share is the way I think about how the metaverse splits into different technology stacks. And so when I'm thinking about the metaverse, I'm thinking about, you know, what will it take for us to get to an internet where we can have these truly immersive, interoperable, uh, persistent, uh, interactive experiences, right? And I split that down into three pillars. I think about the hardware that's going to enable you to access the internet. I think about the experiences and the different ways in which you present information and digital content in in that that evolution of the internet and then I think about the actual physical computing infrastructure that's going to allow you to have these experiences so three pillars hardware experiences and infrastructure and when you think about the hardware that's probably the easiest one you can currently access the internet on multiple devices right whether it be a smartphone or a laptop or an ipad or a pair of VR glasses, or a pair of AR glasses, or a pair of MR glasses, right? And I think that's, you know, that's where people get tripped up. They think that VR is the same as the metaverse, and it's not. VR is the access layer. It's a way of interacting with the metaverse. It's a way of experiencing the internet. That's all it is. It's a way of experiencing content in a totally different way. And obviously, as the hardware gets better and better, as we see smart glasses evolve over the years, um, I think that's going to be a really popular way that people uh, interact with the internet. But it's not the be all and end all. And that's really important is to know that that it doesn't, you know, if you work within VR, then you work within VR. That doesn't mean necessarily that something that's not VR um, can't also be a kind of Web3 experience or, or an evolved kind of immersive interactive experience. So, so number one, hardware, the access layer to the internet. And then you've got the experiences, which we've just kind of talked about, right? You've got the actual way that you're presenting stuff. So whether that be uh, 3D objects that you can interact with in AR and, and, you know, kind of see things in in your physical world that don't exist because you're overlaying them via, via AR, or whether that be building out immersive virtual worlds, 3D worlds that have, you know, 3D... Uh, landscapes and 3D characters in them and, and other people can can be avatars in those worlds and you can buy things in those worlds like different outfits for your avatars or whether that be, you know, taking even things like, I don't know, emails or or data like or your, I don't know, your bank account information and presenting that in a 3D spatial native way. These are the experiences of the metaverse. These are the, the, the experiential layer 
that we, especially as creatives, this is the layer that we are focusing on. This is the layer that we're inventing and pioneering. The, the language of, of presenting information and content and stories in an immersive 3D way. That's where we're spending all of our time on, right? And then lastly, the infrastructure, the infrastructure layer. So AI, blockchain, pro, you know, the advanced spatial computing processing power that you need to even make all of this possible, um, you know, cloud, all of these different infrastructure layers that will power this Web3 metaverse future. So when people talk about blockchain and crypto and NFTs and, you know, how that's Web3 and the metaverse is something different. No, no, no. They're all part of the same thing. Blockchain is just one of the technologies that creates the infrastructure for the metaverse. And what the blockchain will do is essentially enable lightning fast transactions, microtransactions. It will underpin things like digital ownership in these worlds. It will allow you to kind of generate royalties off of digital uh, assets because everything will be tagged digitally and, and be able to kind of give you a kickback if you were the creator of it originally. It will allow you to own something digitally and trade and sell that thing and for it to retain its value like we're seeing with NFTs. It will allow you to transact in all sorts of different um, currencies, not just the one that you happen to be paid in and, and, and hold in your bank account. And then AI, AI, oh my God, I mean, in the last month, AI has just absolutely blown up on, on my kind of, um, in my world, in my kind of timeline, in my inbox, everyone's talking about AI, but you think about like generative AI tools like ChatGPT and Dali and Midjourney and all these kind of tools, which if you haven't played around with them yet, I really highly encourage you to, especially again, as creatives, as, as people creating day in, day out, these tools are going to absolutely transform the way that we work. Uh, and, the, and the possibilities and, and the exciting, never-ending opportunities it's going to give us access to. But, um, you know, the idea that in in not, not a too distant future, you'll be able to, you know, let's take, for example, rock, paper, scissors, um, my VR experience, maybe in the future, instead of having you know, a 3D designer and a Unity developer and an animator and a light shader and a coder and all of the different things that kind of go into creating and a sound designer and, and all the kind of different elements to that. Maybe it will literally be as simple as saying to an AI tool, create me a hand that looks like a um, young woman's hand and have that hand track to my hand when the cameras, you know, my, my inside out tracking cameras on my VR headset pick up the fact that that's a hand. Okay. And when this hand in this first kind of 30 seconds creates a fist, it registers that as a rock. And when I do, you know, when I split my fingers in two and have the rest of my fist close, um, register that as scissors. And when I play against another uh, person's hand or an a uh, uh, you know character's hand that is placed like a fist, and I have my hand in a scissors. That means I lose. Like you could, you can, li you could literally imagine a world where you just essentially talk and and write um, and dictate the experience, and the AI will actually build it for you. Which again is is kind of. 
I'm agnostic about thinking about these things as bad or good. I just think that, that it's nuanced, right? But it's going to open up a whole world of possibilities. So AI is, again, a big pillar, a big t- a big part of that infrastructure layer that's going to power um, the next evolution of the internet. So I hope that was helpful. I thought <laughs> I didn't want to make this episode just like a, hey, let me talk about me for how long? 30 minutes, bloody hell. I mean, I hope you missed me because if not, this is going to be an extremely dull episode um, to kind of come back with. But yeah, I wanted to kind of share some thoughts and the way that I've been kind of thinking about what the metaverse actually is and also how I'm defining what kind of creates the metaverse. Because I think that that just really helps like people, I think, wrap their head around a what it is and also which part of that they want to play in and give almost like uh, permission to, to kind of experiment with some of those different layers, because essentially... You know, even though, for example, AI is the tool, is, is is a tool within the infrastructure layer of the metaverse, essentially what that tool allows you to do is build those experiences, right? That experience layer. And those experiences are going to be accessed via different forms of hardware. And I think if we can take ourselves out of that box, I mean, for me personally, I found it really liberating to come out of the VR box that I've been in for, I mean, literally my whole you know, social media brand is around Alex makes VR. So it's been really kind of liberating to step outside of that and saying, actually, you know, the metaverse technology stack is so much more than that. And the way that we break this down and, and kind of look at this as creatives is really exciting. And we shouldn't be scared of that. We should embrace that. So I hope that's helpful. Um, it was so lovely to be back. I've absolutely loved recording this episode. I've missed you all. Please reach out to me. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you've been thinking about and what you've been up to. And I'm thinking, I know I, I mentioned it in a previous episode, but I'm thinking either a Discord community or maybe even like a WhatsApp community. I know that some of my US friends don't use WhatsApp, so maybe Discord or some kind of group setting where we can actually like have like a live interaction would be good fun. So let me know if that'd be something you'd be interested in. I know I've heard from a couple of you that that have said in the past that you'd like that. So that'd be kind of cool to have a place where we all kind of can, can communicate back and forth. Um, but for now, um, you know where to find me. It's Alex Makes VR across all the usual platforms. Admittedly, I have been spending most of my time on LinkedIn because I am that bitch now. <laughs> um, so yeah, if if you want to uh, hit me up, um, if you want to, you know, message me, then LinkedIn, Alex Makes VR is uh, the primary platform that I'm using at the moment. But you can also hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. And I do occasionally check those platforms. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to hear from you. Um, I'm going to be at South by Southwest in March in Austin, Texas, the South by Southwest Film Festival. I'm mentoring on the XR track this year, which is going to be super exciting. I'm going to have so much fun. It's my first time going to that festival and I hear that it's absolutely mad. So if you're going to be there, I would love to say hello. We should definitely go for a, uh, for a drink together. Um, and for now, I hope that you're having the best start to 2023 and hopefully it won't be six months until we speak again. Bye for now, friend. Have a great day.